This is the Loris Butler Hunter podcast, and it is a story of her life. It is one of love, devotion, and unwavering commitment to faith and family. I'm Loris Butler Hunter, and I believe it's not the years in your life that count. It's the life that's in your years, and I have been blessed to have both. Hello, welcome back. Okay, I know we told you last time that we were going to tell you about the Montana Billings years, but there is still so much we have not covered on our New Jersey years. So we are going to still delight you some with some stories, right, Loris? Yes, yes. Okay. Specifically, I'd really like to talk about some events that happened in 1945. And I'm not sure that I have them written in perfect order, but I'll just start telling you what I told my other friends. Awesome. All right, let's get into it. Okay. So some of this is written down. Sometime around my sixth birthday, my parents took me to a circus. It was performed in a large tent set in a grassy field. We sat on folding benches along the circus ring. Every act seemed to just get more exciting. The clowns and the elephants were such fun. But the star of the show was a beautiful young lady who did tricks on a trapeze bar. I think it may have been the first time I thought about what I wanted to be when I grew up. Mm. Daddy said he could probably help me learn some tricks. And he built a trapeze bar and hung it from our apple tree. Quickly, mm -hmm. I learned to hang by my knees and do the trick that we call skinning the cat. That's where you turn your body in a complete circle over the bar while you're holding on to the ropes. Well, the trouble came when I took one of our small children's chairs outside and I tried to keep it balanced on the trapeze bar with me sitting atop. Wait, wait, wait. So you took a chair on top of the bar? Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. But with me on top of the chair, you know, we had one of those little table and chair sets. The kids had. So it's our little yeah. wooden chair and I was sitting on the top of it. But that's when my dreams came trashing down figuratively <laughs> and literally. No, maybe that was not the best career path for me, but have no fear. I quickly found another one. <laughs> After Germany surrendered to the Allied forces in May of 1945, there were several parades in New York City celebrating what was called VE Day, meaning victory in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, when our family went into the city on a Saturday morning to view one of these parades. And in the afternoon, we went to the Ice Follage Show featuring Sonia Haney the beautiful blonde Norwegian ice skater. I quickly switched my dream from being a trapeze artist to being a famous figure skater. Mm. Now, earlier in, that, in April of that year, and this was a more sober experience, we went during the night, while well, us kids were in our pajamas, actually, to view President Roosevelt's casket in an open train car as the train pulled slowly through our town, heading for his burial in upstate New York. Many people in the small group around us were crying. Even the dads were wiping tears away. I mostly remember the Marine Guard standing at attention and more American flights than I had ever seen. At that point, did you like realize the magnitude of what was going on? Because you were what, six? Yeah, I was about six then. Yeah. Well, I realized our president had died, but I don't think, you know, I don't think I realized how well loved he was. Yeah. And did you realize like really that VE date, like the war, like oh, how, what day. was about the war? Yeah. Um, I probably knew, but yet war was still going on. And that's the other part I'm going to finish talking about. Okay, here. Good. Okay. Because um, 
Japan formally surrendered in September of 1945. Remember, VE Day was in May. Yeah. Um, but it so that formal su surrender was September second, I think it was in 1945. But it was earlier on August 14th that the people in the U.S. celebrated quote the end of the war, so to speak, because we knew Japanese was going to Japan was going to surrender. Our friends, the Millers, who lived across the road, invited our family to go into New York City to celebrate that big night. By today's standards, their car was small to accommodate their family of four and now our extra four, but no problem. In those days, the kids usually just sat on their mom's laps and often the smallest child would ride lying down on the shelf that was inside the back window. Now only my older friends will remember yeah. this. I actually did that in my family too. So I totally, I thought. Okay. Well, I have no knowledge of what park, what part of the city we were in when Mr. Miller found a place to park on the street. Our parents just told us to stay in the car and they went into some place for a time. Wait, I wait, wait. So you, kids, you kids just stayed in the car by yourself? Yes, that's what I'm going to tell you about. Yep, because I had no idea how long they were gone. It could have been 10 minutes. It could have been a half an hour. I don't know. The Miller's oldest son, Dickie, was my age. So I was six. Um, he also had a younger brother, but there was no worry about his kids fighting because, because we stayed continually entertained by the wild crowd all around us. We listened to all the screaming and the shouting and the fire trucks and the police car sirens. And we watched as people grabbed each other with hugs and kisses. We even saw young men walking around on the tops of people's cars. It was total jubilation and chaos but I saw and I heard the excitement, the love and the gratitude that flowed through that mob. Most of the soldiers would be coming home. Mm. Now I have no idea whether or not our parents had locked the car doors. And since it was mid August, I'm certain we had the windows down at least part way. Of course, in those days, you know, we just had a crank window. So no matter how our parents left it, we could have done whatever we wanted to do with it. There was no child lock. Yes, <laughs> not child locks here. So years later, I asked my mother where the grownups went that night, and she embarrassingly replied that it was some kind of a bar. Mm. Uh, we were faithful Methodists then, and while there was no exact prohibition regarding drinking, I never thought that my parents did. Now, today, parents would be arrested, and they'd be charged with child neglect for leaving their children alone in a car in downtown New York City. It was more common to do that back in 1945, just another example of how things change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so those like are my specific memories of forty-five. So I'll continue with telling you the rest of the story if you want to hear it. Yes, yes, because I mean, I could just imagine, like, I visualize like you and Bruce and those other kids just sitting in that yeah. part while your parents celebrating. Yeah, and we were Dickie and I were six, and our parents left us in this open car, which I'm sure it was open. We could have unrolled the way. I mean, we knew how to unroll yeah. windows. And let's state this, like your parents are very responsible. Yes, traditional. terrible. Very right. So they weren't doing anything out of the ordinary. Like this would be a normal thing that parents would do that. Again, yeah, they certainly leaving us in our car would have been normal. I don't know that with all the chaos, I just don't know whether they were thinking straight. I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, what's one of those things? Yeah. As I said, just one of those things I'm going to have to ask my mom sometime when the time <laughs> comes again. So this, I wrote this called More Memories of Living in New Jersey Between Ages 3 Till I Was 7. 
a level. At least anyone reading or hearing this think that I was the perfect child. I need you to set you straight right now. Child rearing in the 40s seemed to be done on a schedule. Babies were fed every four hours. Toddlers napped at 1 p.m. And bedtime was promptly at 7 p.m. And my mother certainly believed in this pattern. I know she did because when even when I had my children, she was very surprised that we didn't feel that they had to eat every four hours, exactly, whether they were hungry or not. She okay. thought you were doing <laughs> Now, I had a mind of my own. And I remember breaking my little china tea set by throwing each piece at my closed bedroom door because I didn't want to be napping. Oh, how old? And you were three, you think? I, you know, I was, I was at least three. Wow. But I don't think I was six. I think I was, I was younger than that. Yeah. Going to bed seemed especially painful in the summertime because it stayed light for so long. Yes, we had started the daylight savings time during these World War II years. I clearly remember being so angry with my parents one evening that I decided I could rebel by jumping on the bed, which we had been told never to do. It was a fun activity because I could choose some new tricks. Remember, I was always trying to do tricks on the trapeze. Right, the acrobat. The acrobat. The acrobat. I could do on the bed. But unfortunately, during one of these tricks, my head hit the wooden headboard, and I knew yeah. I was probably going to be in trouble. The longer I looked at the blood, the more I realized I had to go downstairs and show my parents my injury. Trouble was, they had company, which may have been the real reason I was supposed to stay in my room. Bruce, in his own room, being three years younger, was sound asleep in his crib, just like an obedient child. I was angry. It was not a serious wound. Heads just bleed. But now I wonder, what if I'd had a concussion? Now next, my rebellious streak also showed up in the kitchen. Mother, knowing the nutritional guidelines at the time, worked hard to serve tasty, but good for you meals. I didn't like fresh orange juice because I had a pulp in it. And fresh orange juice was considered a luxury at that time. Still to this day, right? Yes. Yeah. But now we can at least buy it in the store. In those yeah. days you squeezed it yourself. But I have, my, I have my mother's glass orange juice squeezer still. Now, most people didn't care for canned orange juice. We, our family didn't like it at all. And it, it, and it didn't come in, at the, those days it didn't like the frozen, did it? No, frozen orange juice hadn't been invented yet. And people okay. didn't have good freezers either. Yeah. So, and so that's our orange juice story. Now, milk came in glass bottles where it naturally separated with the cream going onto the top part. And mother used a special skimmer gadget to remove the cream and used it for other things. We drank the skim part of the milk. Homogenized milk wasn't on the market yet either. Well, I refused to drink milk if it had a spot of cream in it, telling my mother that it would make me throw up. And the longer I sat at the table staring at the glass of milk, the more often I would see some little specks of cream that had been skimmed off. But by middle school, I loved milk, especially if it was with a cookie, but that was after milk had been homogenized. Looking back, I probably so it, didn't especially like skim milk. And milk needs to be cold. Not having sat at the table for an indefinite amount of time as I looked at it. Are you and did your milk come from, yes. Right. Did the milk come from the milkman every day? Yes, I mean, the milkman delivered it. Mm -hmm. delivered I don't remember if he came every day or maybe every two days. Maybe, okay. he, came, well, maybe he came every day. Just brought like one bottle a day. I don't yeah. remember. 
Uh, and I can't forget to tell you about eggs because looking at a cold egg on my plate after the others had left the table was just more bad news. <laughs> Friends my age now all agree with me that at any meal when the plates weren't cleaned up, our parents reminded us to think about the poor starving kids in Europe. Mm. But I couldn't send them my egg. Nope. As older adults, it saddens me now to remember to think about our lack of sympathy at a really tragic time. But every adult my age I talk with, we all get laughing about this, about our parents just said, and we all would just say, well, send them my egg or send them my lunch or milk or whatever. And did you have a sense that the people in Europe were really suffering? Yeah, I did. But, but it didn't bother me. Right, right. But, was, but it was, yeah, yeah I knew it was bad stuff had gone on. Yeah. I don't think I didn't know really quite how bad it was, but I knew the bad stuff had gone okay. on. Yeah. But, um, um, but I do have some good food memories and I'll just tell you about one of them. My favorite one was going with my mother and picking some of the wild asparagus that grew along the railroad track and then going home and having creamed asparagus on toast for our lunch. Mm-hmm. I don't fix it very often now, but when I do, it really brings back a sweet memory. So I just fixed it last week because I, because I've been thinking about it, you know. Um, the only other thing I want to think to tell you about is about vacations. I don't remember going any place for any length of time during our years in New Jersey. Um, of course, also during the war years, I think gas was rationed. Um, very hard to, you couldn't buy new tires. And I think this national speed limit was, I should have looked this up, but it was like 30 or 35 was wow. the speed limit nationally. Um, because we didn't, and you didn't have all the highways. Yeah, like, and you didn't have the highways. But I mean, I think people in my father just worked. I don't think people thought they deserved, uh, you know, a, a month long, like a lot of people get now, or even two weeks. Yeah. But I do remember a few times that we went to the ocean because it was close by. And I remember going to the one named Asbury Park to their beach. And I remember that daddy got so badly sunburned that he had blisters all over his back. My page won't turn. And he was sick to his stomach. I can picture him crawl, trying to crawl into the bathroom. What did and he? My mother said it was very serious, and she called oh. it sunburn sickness. Not, oh, it was sunburn. So, so, so yeah. sunburned, he got blisters. Well, he didn't make. Well, they didn't make sunscreens in those days. Oh. Have anything like that? Wow. You know, yeah. People put baby oil on because you thought that would help you tan. Yes. Yeah. So there was no thought that the sun was too much sun was bad for you. I don't think I yeah. thought people thought being outside was healthy and sun outside. And yeah, I mean, we had some, probably some notion that vitamin D was a vitamin you got from the sunshine. I don't know. I'm not sure that I knew that. My mother knew that, but yeah, no, the thought was well, the sun was good for you. And my dad had grown up on a farm. So it wasn't that he had not been outside mm-hmm. his life, but it's one thing to have your face exposed. Yeah when you worked on a farm or maybe your arms and hands, but you didn't have your bare back exposed. I don't think my father would have, you know. And and we never talked about, um, how did your mom and dad meet? How did they meet? Um, well, let me tell you one more thing about a vacation we went on. Okay, then, yeah, this is my last sentence. Okay. okay. Uh, we did go to Washington, D.C. once or twice. Um, Ruby, who was my dad's secretary when, when we lived in Arkansas, had married and she and her husband had lived or were living in Washington, DC, and they invited us to come see them. Oh, uh, I have a picture taken in front of the Lincoln Memorial of Mother Bruce and me 
And then there's another picture taken at Arlington Cemetery, which daddy must have trusted mother with the camera, which kind of surprised me. <laughs> but it's a picture of um, at Arlington Cemetery with us kids with our father. And it's sobering for me to look at this picture and see the six-year-old me at Arlington Cemetery and mm -hmm. think of my husband now buried at Arlington Cemetery and the space there that's waiting for me. That's right. Oh, oh, what cool. a touching picture. How so you want to know about how my parents met? Yeah. Like well, they met actually when my mother was 18 and my dad, I think, was 19. My mother um, was, it was the summer after she was a senior in high school. And um, she had a friend that was active in a group that might have been called Campfire Girls. It was not Girl Scouts, but it was some kind of an organization like that. And they went to a summer camp for a week or two at a place called Bass Lake, which is in Iowa. Mm. And mother lived in Iowa at this time. And she went with her friend and uh, they had, um, they were there just a week or maybe two weeks. But daddy had, um, was working with his friend and they were selling, you still see things in the store now that are called Watkins products. I have some hand soap. Yeah foam ham soap that's made by Watkins and also some cinnamon I bought with him. But anyway, um, in those days, people went around with all these products, you know, kind of door to door or farm to farm trying yeah. to sell these people. And daddy and his friend were doing this, but they also had some friends that were at a boys camp that was crossed on the other side of the lake. Yeah. So the boys at that side of the lake said, hey, there were these girls at this camp on the other side of the lake and they should go check them out. Well, my mother had always told me there was a roller skating rink. Uh, later, as a teenager, I got to go see Bass Lake. And basically what it was, it was a slab of cement that had a roof line over, a pavilion over it type okay. of thing. But it was a fair-sized piece of cement. And uh, Daddy saw my mother roller skating. And he said, you see that blonde over there? I'm going to marry her. <gasps> so he went up and talked to my mom afterwards. And they, you know, did a little flirting and stuff. But he didn't tell her what his name was. He told him his name was Billy. And so why my mother, he, Bill. So my mother thought that was his name for a few months. I think. Yeah. And why did he do that? I don't know. Just to be cute. Okay. I thought that was a cute name. Yeah. His name was Charles, but he but his middle name is Corwin, as you know. Yeah. And my grandma always called him Corwin when he was a little boy. She he went by Corwin. His daddy called him Charlie, but his mom called him Corwin. And, and so your mom was from Iowa. Where was your dad from? No, Southern Minnesota. Oh, okay. So, but not, but close to the state line. Okay. So anyway, but both of them wanted to go to college and they um, had dreams of this, but nobody in their families had ever gone to college. It was never even talked about. Um, both of them are the oldest in their family. Daddy had three younger brothers. Mother has one, one younger brother. Okay. Um, uh, so anyway, Daddy knew that he wanted to go to Iowa State College because he wanted to study agriculture economics and they were so famous for that. So he left home and he hitchhiked to Iowa and he had a penny and a dime. And that's, that's it. what he had. And he got a job working at a gas station and he worked there for a year so he could become an Iowa resident, which would make the tuition less expensive. Yeah. And then uh, he just kept working at jobs and sometimes he would have to drop out of school even for another semester or so, so he could work more because he didn't have enough money. Um, 
Meanwhile, he and mother kept seeing each other and she worked also for quite a while. Uh, she worked in the post office in the little town where they lived. I know she worked there for a year. I don't remember what else she did. Wait, but, so how but she met, up, what, they hmm? met that summer. How was your how old was your dad when they met? Nine. I think he was 19 and mother was 18. Okay, so they're just a year apart. And so then they, so they got married when she was 24 and he was 25. Wow. So they basically had a six-year serious romance. Yeah. And they tried to see each other. Mother went to daddy went to school in um Ames, Iowa, where Iowa State is. Mother went to Iowa State Teachers College, which was in Cedar Falls. So it was a ways away, but they tried to figure out ways that they could see each other. But sometimes it was months in between when they would see each other. But she went up and met his parents in Iowa quite soon after they met. Mm. Um, I think they met each other's families really, really early on. And I think the families felt, okay, this is, they're going to get married. This was the plan. And were they waiting for him to finish school? No, 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 um, no. In fact, they were married. He still had quite a bit of school uh, after they were married. And um, mother taught school for two years after she got it. She had just a, teach, a two-year teaching degree. Was That's what teachers' colleges were. That was been. a normal thing at that yeah, time. Yeah, it was a normal thing. So she taught third grade for two years, said in retrospect, she thought she was good at the things she taught, but she didn't have a lot of classroom management skills, like what you would, what teachers now get when they're, when they study in, yeah. longer in college. Um, but in the state of Iowa, you could not teach school if you were married. Oh, funny. There was that feeling of, um, well, if you got pregnant, you'd know what those people were doing or something anyway. <laughs> So you couldn't, you weren't no, allowed to, to know. Yeah. <laughs> you can cut that part out. Um, but um, in some years after daddy had had two years of college, then he could teach in a high school. Oh. So he would stop a school and teach in a high school for a year, maybe. And uh, he was a basketball coach and he taught woodshop and he taught theater um, he was even a school, uh, he was even a high school principal. Wow. I mean, so talented. He graduated from college. Yes. Gosh. But, um, but mother, um, got, she was so excited when she finally got a job working in the, the student union at Iowa state because she got paid 25 cents an hour, which mm -hmm. was really good salary for those days. Yeah. Cause this was during depression times. Yeah. And, um, and that's when, Hamburger was 15 cents a pound, but they always ordered less than a pound of hamburger from the butcher because things that cost 15 cents then or more were taxed. So if you bought a pound of hamburger, it was 15 cents plus a penny more tax. So mm -hmm. they would buy 14 cents worth of hamburger. Smart. So yeah. they were very, very poor. Um, they did not have me for six years. You know, I know my mother had a miscarriage uh, at some point and they were afraid that they would never have a baby. So I don't know whether there were some fertility issues also or what. I don't know the timeline of any of this, but yes. my mother was 30 and my dad was 31 when I was 31. Born. Oh, they must have been just so happy when you came. They were happy. <laughs> oh, you could just tell because I think you kind of emulate that feeling of like you kind of were always adored. 
you know, and they adored. And then Bruce came three years later, like Mm -hmm. what a happy time for them. And I think it was, I think it was a happy time. And I think I mentioned before that I think that after the war ended, there was a feeling of um, greater prosperity that we, we were really a great country and we were on fire because we could do things well. And um, we were no longer really attached to the old Europe or any of that. We America was strong and vibrant and with would have lots to offer. And was it, do you think it was that feeling like the war was won because America came in and like helped win the war? Was it kind of bounced off that, do you think? Yeah. Oh yeah, I think it definitely was. Um, But we really made a difference and we helped those people who were struggling. And, And now when I, the more, the more I read about history and understand how much suffering was happening both in Asia and in Europe yeah. and um, how, how valiantly um, the British Isles had, had fought. And um, as they, as they saw, you know, France being occupied by the Germans and these other countries falling, wondering yeah. what was going to ever happen. And, and yet for those years, they had fought on. And so did your mom, mom and dad have any siblings in um, the war? No. Oh, well, yes. My dad, um, at the very end of the war, my dad's youngest brother, Leland, was in the army. And he met his wife, who I call Aunt Peggy, because she was a woman Marine, a lady Marine. Wow. I what they called him. It wasn't a whack, but it was something. She was a lady Marine. Yeah. And they met at some military base and they got married like at the end of, about the end of the war. How fun that one of your few vacations as a little girl was to DC and even that, you know, and, um, and Arlington where that's such a thread in your life. It's almost like the Lord was like, it was like, I, a, I know it is funny. And the picture with mother is a really a better picture, except that the other problem about the war years was that our, our mothers tried to make our clothes so they could lengthen, they could make them long and then, you know, shorten, but then be able to lengthen them back down. So if a mom sewed, she could do this. But I'm standing in my red corduroy dress, which is so short, it's unbelievable. And I was really a skinny kid. Of course, that's also because we didn't drink, any, I wouldn't drink any milk with cream in it, probably. <laughs> probably. Didn't eat my eggs either. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, but mother is wearing kind of a fuchsia maroon colored suit. She was all dressed up in this suit and she looks very pretty, but the color clashing in the, that photo is really bad. Bruce looks very obedient in this good little boy. Just, we were standing there holding hands and um, it's probably a, from a photographic sense, it's a better picture. It's more vibrant. The background of Arlington, it was just uh, a place where it's all gray, just gray stone behind us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I think we were sitting down in that picture, but, um, and your parents were both, you you said your dad, especially was like always immaculately dressed, right? Oh yes. Well, my mother was too. My mother was always neat and she, yeah, they wore house dresses, mm-hmm. cotton house dresses in those days. And they wore aprons to keep their house dresses somewhat clean yeah um you know my mother didn't ever wore I don't remember her ever wearing pants at that stage of our life um but my mother was always you know her hair was always done now when I was a little girl I remember she would go get her hair done 
and a beauty salon every week. I don't think in New Jersey that she did that. I don't remember that. She did when we lived in Arkansas, but in New Jersey, I don't think she did. Um, I am surprised that, um, like I said, about going to the Ice Follies in New York, because I always, I felt that we didn't have a lot of extra money to spend. Mm -hmm. And so that was, must have been an extravagant thing for us to go see something like that, just for four of us. Yeah. But they must have thought that that was one of them. My mother probably really, really wanted to go. Right. It was worthwhile of the investment. Yeah. yeah. So, so let's, let's precursor and um, let's just tease a little bit. So okay. um, tell us a little bit about your trip to Montana. Phyllis. Okay. Well, when we were going to move, we're moving yeah. there and the trip going and then. Okay. Well, <clears throat> um, first place, I should tell you that housing was just really, really hard to come by oh, after really? the war. So <clears throat> we had no idea where we could live in Billings. We'd never lived in the West. We didn't know anything about it. <coughs> excuse me so daddy went out early to start work okay. and we went with him as far as Iowa where my dad's where my mom's brother Furman lived that's mm-hmm. uncle Furman and aunt Alice okay they had two boys um Vernon um is about a year older than I am but since I'm a year ahead in school we were in the same grade mm-hmm. and then Paul was I think a year older than Bruce but we stayed with Vernon and Paul for a month and it was such fun because I went with Vernon to school every day and I was in his class. Also, they only lived a couple blocks from the school and I had never, ever gone home for lunch. Oh. And it was the coolest thing because we could just walk home and our moms would have this lunch waiting for us. Now, sometimes Aunt Alice worked part time in a department store. Um, so there might have been must have been some days that she wasn't there. But I know we were there at the time of Mother's Day because uh, she took me to the store where she worked and I picked out a, a very printed, beautiful printed tablecloth with big flowers, big geranium flowers stuff on for my mother to, as a Mother's Day gift. And I still have that tablecloth, Jenny. Oh, that's lovely. Oh, okay. that's so Someone's here in my house. Yes, saved. Um, but anyway, we stayed with them for a month and then Grandpa Christophers, now, you probably remember my mother's mother died before I was born. She had had heart trouble all her life. Probably something she, we believe now that it was probably something she was born with. Okay. But anyway, so um, Grandpa Christophers was a widower for quite a long time. And um, he sometimes floated between jobs and what he did and where he lived. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so he, he offered never to drive us. So daddy had taken the car and gone to Montana. and. We, with mother, Bruce and I, and our dog, Lassie, we had stayed in Fort Dodge, Iowa with my cousins. So Uncle Christophers drove us to Montana in his car. And he told me on the way to Montana that I must never eat a donut without realizing how dangerous it is. Because if you ever eat the whole of the donut in the center, your head will blow off. I know. It's what I remember about Grandpa Christopher's that whole trip. I don't remember anything except sitting in the car. And I sat up on something like a stack of books or a big pot or something. I sat up on something. So I was tall enough that I could see really well out the window. Funny. Wait, did your grandpa ever remarry? No, he never remarried. Never remarried. So he was a widow for years and years. A long time. Well, he died. That was in 1940. Six when we moved 
and um, he died in 51 or two. Okay. So not too many, but, but he had been, but see them before I was born, that was still of quite a long time. Um, but at one point he lived um, after we were in Billings, at one point he stayed with us for a while and then he got a job working on he wasn't too far away from us. Oh, okay. Your sound cut out just a little bit. What was where he got oh, a in Cody, Cody, Wyoming, the town Cody, of Cody, Wyoming. And what um, at one point also he worked at a shipyard in San Francisco. I remember at some stage of the game. And the what I'm using as a trunk in my living room now is his footlocker thing from uh-huh. when he worked at the shipyard. So he did a lot of different jobs. And that's because my grandson, John, and his wife, Rachel, have Dick's father's trunk from the World War II. Yeah. It says Captain W.B. Hunter on it. Oh, that's so but funny. They use that as their uh, coffee table, so to speak, in their table in their living room. Oh, fun. But I have this other green painted one that was belonged to Grandpa Christopher's. Your grandpa. So anyway, so when we got to Billings anyway... Um, my dad was living in a hotel that was above a Woolworths five and dime store. Ooh, that would have been exciting. It was because we ate at the counter at yes. Woolworths um, part of the time because we still didn't have a place to live. Wow. And we couldn't have the dog. It was really sad. We couldn't have the dog at the hotel with us, mm-hmm. but the gas station a few blocks away where we they, we kept our car parked would take care. They would let Lassie stay there all day. Lassie was not a, I told you earlier, a Lassie, not a, a collie looking dog like the Lassie movies were. It was a little Scottish terrier. Yeah, but they just so sat watched her dog. So we kept Lassie ch- chain, kind of chained up there yeah. during the day. Yeah. And we would go up and feed and water her. And take her for a walk sometime. One of the things we did during the day. <clears throat> but then she slept in the car up there at night, I guess. Oh, funny. So, anyway, but we ate. I remember we ate at the lunch counter. And I remember, especially after Bruce would wake up from his nap, that then we would go downstairs and sometimes get orange juice or something at the lunch counter. Oh, what an adventure. But eventually, <clears throat> we found a place to live. And... I hesitate to say it was a place because that's about the only way I could describe it. It was a lady's basement and it was just a basement. It was not a basement apartment. It had um, a laundry tub, a shower and a toilet and a hot plate, which one of my kids asked me what a grandkids asked me what a hot plate was, but it's an electric like thing, appliance that you can plug in. And it had coils on it and you could heat like a pot of water. Yeah. Yeah. So our furniture, my parents have had nice furniture in New Jersey. Uh, They had bought, I think maybe when we were still in Arkansas. Yes, it was. Because I saw the receipt for it one time and it was in 1940. Beautiful mahogany furniture. Mm. And they had a dining room set and living room, living room and dining room furniture and a bedroom set. But they left that all in storage since we didn't know where we could live in Billings. Right. And then we got a chance to live in this lady's basement. So daddy went to an army Navy surplus store and he bought four folding cots and four sleeping bags. The kind that were the, the two kind of a bag, the inside one was like a mummy bag that you could put up over your head and kept you as a narrow bag to keep you real warm. 
And the other other was a wider bag that was just a flat bag, but zippered down the side and you could either open it up, you could use it like as a blanket or you could use it as an outside sleeping bag. Yeah. And the lady that owned this house didn't like us. Oh. She thought my brother probably was stealing apples out of her apple tree. Oh. Which he never did. But we would leave almost every weekend. We would leave and go camping. Mm. And when we first went camping, my parents bought a tarp so they could lay their sleeping bags on that. And we would just park someplace and Bruce and I would sleep in the car and mother and daddy would lay out on this tarp. Uh, that tells you that that must have been a very uncomfortable situation living in that house. It was a bad situation. And we lived there. That was when I was in third grade. And we lived there almost all that year. Wow. Because I could walk. I remember walking to that to the school. Then later on, um, my dad was a government employee. He was working for the Bureau of Reclamation, which is part of the Department of the Interior. Mm-hmm. And um, they had so many government people that needed housing that they were able to move some houses. And there were two different kinds. Some were the prefab houses that had two bedrooms to them. And the kind we had, which got eventually, which was a log cabin. And they were from some um, mining camp um, up further out west, northwest of Billings, mm-hmm. around Anaconda, which is from up there. A copper mine was there, I think. And these things were not being used. And they moved them down and put them on these vacant lots and built a whole complex of these government mm. houses. There was a whole street that we lived on that was all these log cabins. But they were one-bedroom log cabins. Oh. And Bruce and I slept in bunk beds. The, their room was very tiny. I think it was about nine by nine. If I remember what my parents said. Wow. And um, they Good. bought a couch, the kind that they called in those days a Davenport, the kind where the back dropped down okay. when you folded it out. It didn't pull out like some kind of sofa beds do, but the back just dropped down. And that mother and daddy slept on that. So they were in the living room and you were in the bedroom. We were in the living room. We were in the bedroom. There was a bathroom and there was a kitchen. And um, eventually they got a couple, I guess the furniture came to Billings and they got a couple pieces of the furniture out, but left most of it in a, some kind of a storage unit. Yeah. They didn't, I don't think they had self-storage units in those days. Okay. So I'm not quite sure how they did all this. Right. But right away, then my parents started trying to see if they could find a lot, a lot that they could buy. So they could eventually build a house. Yeah, because was that kind of the deal in that time where if you wanted a house, you really had to build it? Like there wasn't just that many. No, but if you wanted the house you wanted, and my dad had dreamy ideas. Mm. I'll have to tell you, when we did get our, this is getting ahead of the story. Yeah. But uh, we were only the second family in Billings to have a dishwasher. Ooh, okay. So we're going to leave it at that because. You better leave it at that because that was not built so that. I could not learn to wash dishes. That was not the purpose of it. And I'll tell you the next time why we had a yes, dish. Because we want to hear all about Billings because we know there's some. Yes, well, I want to tell you all about it because it's really a different place. It was wild and woolly west. <laughs> it was the wild, wild west. Oh, I love the stories that you shared today of like, like I could just imagine you sitting at that table, not wanting to drink your milk. Cause I really, I, I'm the same girl. I hated milk and it would always get hot and I couldn't leave the table. So I, I, <laughs> I was, I totally get you. And so, and then when eggs are cold and, but what, let, let, let me ask you one more question. What was your yeah. favorite thing that your mom would make? 
gosh. I'm not sure that I remember it in way back in, in New Jersey, but I loved pork chops. Mm. I do remember mother fixing pork chops. Um, chicken was an extravagance in those days, you know, that it oh, was a Sunday chicken. Or yeah. With what, what was the pork chops extravagant too? Or was that? No, not- no, it was oh, less extravagant. Yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. Oh. Our family, it was, I don't know, but my mom was a good cook, very good cook. Mm. And um, well, she taught you well because I know you're a good cook. I'll tell you more. I'll tell you what we ate when daddy traveled. (laughs) Okay, so we're excited. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so just if you're following along, visualizing this, so we started the story in Texas to Arkansas to New Jersey, Mm -hmm. and now we are in Montana. And so we will come back. The next podcast will be all about the Montana years. So thank you for being with us. Bye bye. 